Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of Scripture that we're going to, uh, to study here this morning, uh, taken from the Old Testament lesson that was chosen for this Sunday, from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. For he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The Word of God. We've often used the expression, I'm sure you have too, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. And what that means is basically this, that You wanted to be part of a conversation that was held within a room or some place, and it was kind of a secret conversation. There were some interesting things that were told there, but you were not privy to them. If I had only been a fly on the wall, it would have been so interesting. Like when my brother came in way after curfew, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall when my dad addressed the issue. And if that fly would have talked, if I would have talked, I'd have been rooting for my dad. I think he needs to be punished greater than what you've done, dad. There was a time in our nation's history when there was a fly on the wall. It happened back in my college years, back in the 60s and 70s. happened in the Oval Office of President Nixon. You see, they hatched a plan, he and others, maybe those around him, but shared it with President Nixon. And uh, it was to break into the Democratic National Headquarters and uh, try to find out secrets or something. And as they were conversing, they didn't remember something, or they didn't know this, that all the conversations found in the Oval Office are recorded. And the Senate hearing, they found out from a man by the name of Jim Butterfield, James Butterfield, that uh, there was this recording going on. And what happened when they listened to the tapes? President Nixon's presidency came tumbling down. Fly on the wall. We're going to be a fly on the wall today. God gives us that privilege, not for something bad, but for something good. And uh, what he is saying to us is this. 
You see, it's a conversation that's going on between God the Son and God the Father 700 years before Jesus came into this world. It's found in the, in the prophet Isaiah who lived 700 years before Jesus was born. And he records it. And we hear about Jesus' mission, his person, and all kinds of things that tell us how much he loves us. Now, first of all, I think there's something interesting about this particular passage that uh, we need to begin with. Because this passage also tells us that God is triune. He's triune. God the Son, the Eternal Son, and the Eternal Father are having a conversation. All right? And uh, it tells us that obviously God is one, but more than one. (laughs) He's not just... uh, a generic God that some people believe in, a generic God that uh, uh, goes by all kinds of names, and it doesn't make any difference what you call him. Yes, it does. This is the triune God, and anybody who believes differently is a pagan and is condemned. And that's the truth. Now, many of us would probably say, well, the Trinity is found easily in the New Testament, right? You remember uh, when, when we're to baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, St. Paul says, uh, the apostolic benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the, Holy, uh, love, uh, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. But where is it found in the Old Testament? Well, it's there. In fact, first chapter. God says, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say, let me make man in my image. He says, let us make man in our image. A reference to the Trinity. In Psalm 110, it is the Father who is speaking to the Son, God the Son. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In Psalm 2, he says, you are my Son, today I have become your Father. And there are many, many passages in the Bible that speak about the Holy Spirit also. So it was there. It was there. This is also one of those passages. We have the Father and the Son, and they're conversing. The eternal Son and the eternal Father. And what's he say? Well, he says, actually, it's the eternal son, Jesus, the Messiah, who speaks first. He says, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Pay attention, everybody. Listen to what I have to say. Don't even think about falling asleep. Don't even think about having your uh, your thoughts wander. You've got to listen to me. That's what he says when he says, he says, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. You distant nation. He isn't just talking either to, to Jewish people who probably read these words first. He's talking to everybody. You distant islands, you distant nations. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. So he says, pay attention. Pay attention. And Jesus goes on. And he says, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. Let me read that again. Before I was born, the Lord called me. 
Now, this is God the Son speaking to God the Father in the Old Testament. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. Now, I don't want anybody looking at Judy at this time, but I'm going to make a confession. Confession is this. You know, when it gets to be time to uh, celebrate things, you know, like Christmas, birthdays, etc., I'm a procrastinator. I'm a procrastinator. I, uh, I tend to put things off. You know, I'm one of those guys that runs through the mall on the 24th of December. And when it comes to birthdays, the easiest thing to do, let's go out for dinner. And then I'll say to Judy, when I get in the car, this really puts, puts a, you know, this makes me so guilty. Where do you want to go to eat? <laughs> you mean you didn't plan that either? No. One of my foibles, my folly, my sin. Self-centeredness. But you know, when Isaiah speaks here, writes here, he's talking about, he's talking, or Jesus is speaking. And we're hearing what his mission was. His mission was to straighten out the mess that Adam and Eve had made. He was there to, to straighten out the separation, to reconcile us to God. For that relationship with God was ruined by sin. And what he says here is, is quite fascinating to me. He says, before I was born, the Lord called me. You see, when Adam and Eve messed up, and you go back and you read about uh, Adam and Eve in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, there's something that's interesting that takes place. You know, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and, uh, and, and ruined everything, God came into the picture, and we don't hear a, dia or a trialogue that, going, that goes on among the uh, persons of the Trinity, well, what are we going to do now? How can we fix this up? It was already in place. And the eternal son was going to be the object of it all. He was going to straighten it out. And I think there's something to remember from that. God has loved us from eternity. God loves us now. Don't ever doubt that. It was always God's intent to love humankind. All right, conversation goes on. He says, and I'd like to point this out. He says, before I was born. Actually, the emphasis on the word I, this is God the Son speaking. I was born to straighten it out. Not, not other people, not you, because you can't. Nobody can. No kings, no important people, only Jesus I read something kind of interesting this week, and it was about the, the Three Amigos conference that they had, you know, between President Biden, uh, Premier, or uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, and President uh, from Mexico, Odafar, or Obafar, whatever his name is. The President of Mexico said this. He says, the United States needs to, needs to straighten out that southern border thing. And then he said, this is how you do it. He said, you got to go down where all these migrants are coming from. You need to go down to those countries and fix it. 
One southern border man of patrol said that uh, there's something like 92 different nations these people have come from. Imagine this. We're going to fix all these problems in different nations, right? No, no sinful, fallible human being, no sinful, fallible nation is ever going to fix other sinful, fallible people like that. And not to those numbers. And yet, when you think about the worst, worst situation of all, the relationship that was broken because of sin in this world, there was only one who could fix it all. And that was Jesus. For this purpose, he was born. We can't help. No one else can help. That's why he was born. He was born to love. He was born to forgive us. He was born to save. Jesus says more. He says, from my birth, he has made mention of my name. The mission of the eternal son was not something that, uh, that people should have been surprised about because it was found in the scripture all the while, right? I mean, you go back in time and you go back to the time of Moses or uh, go back to the time of, let's go back to Eden. And what happened in the Garden of Eden? God had that promise right there. The promise that the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of Satan. He was going to destroy the devil's work. That's what Jesus did. It's prophesied right from the very beginning. And then you can go to, go, to, go to someone like Abraham. And Abraham was told that in his offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that was also given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We think about King David. He was also promised that he was going to have a son who is Lord. <laughs> he was also given the promise that uh, he was going to have a king, a, a, a descendant, whose kingdom would be forever. You know, that's what he means when he says, he says, from my birth, he has made mention of my name. None of this should have been a surprise to anybody. And even Isaiah himself, earlier in his prophecy, says things, marvelous things, about how the, uh, the one who was to come, the one who was to come would be born of a virgin, the one who was to come was going to have a ministry in Galilee of the Gentiles, a land living in darkness. They would see a great light. His name would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's what he means when he says, from my birth, he has made mention of my name, the Eternal Son says. And Jesus also says, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Moses once said about the Messiah who was coming, about Jesus who's speaking here. He says there was going to be a prophet. There were lots of prophets, but there was going to be a very special prophet, and that would be Jesus. Moses said it like this. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. We need to listen to all the prophets sent by God. But this one is the Lord himself, God the Son. Listen to him. And what did he say? 
Well, it says that his voice, his mouth, is like a sharpened sword. A sword cuts both ways. A sword can plunge into the very dark, dark recesses of the heart. The sword of God's word can plunge into the depths of one's heart and reveal all kinds of dark recesses, all kinds of sins, so that what Jeremiah once said is so true. He says, our hearts are deceitful beyond measure and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? But a hot knife, a hot sword, can also cauterize a wound, right? What he's saying here is that this Jesus in the word, the sharpened sword, was the law and the gospel. The gospel that heals. Jesus once said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. He's the way. He's the way to heaven. He's the life. We have life through him. He's the truth. Everything he says is true. And everything he is is true. In fact, if you go just a a few chapters beyond Isaiah 49, you'll come to one of the most famous chapters of the Bible. And we're told what Jesus would do. Chapter 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus would come and save. How? Through substitution. Jesus for us. Jesus' life for us. Jesus' death for us. Jesus' resurrection for us. Jesus says even more. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. That's an interesting verse. He says, in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. You see, from the time that man sinned to the time that Jesus came, what, 4,000 years? And during that time, the fullness and the greatness of Jesus would not be seen. Now, people believed what? The Word. Again, they shouldn't have been surprised because there were plenty of details found in the Word of God. Things like uh, where he would be born, where he would carry on ministry, the fact that he would do all kinds of miracles, the fact that he was, uh, he was uh, truly the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. All of those things were said, but finally, (laughs) he didn't appear until there in that manger in Bethlehem. And he says he was a polished arrow. Polished! Bet he was, because he was God. Polished, pure. The angels sang at his birth, for unto you is born this day in a city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, right? Even a star got into the... (laughs) and brought men from afar so they could worship Jesus. Awesome, isn't it? All these things that Jesus says about himself before he came. His resume before it was fulfilled. Awesome. 
And now, let's go back being that fly on the wall. And now we hear God speak. And God says these words. He says, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. When the Father speaks, he calls Jesus, he calls his son his servant. His servant and our servant, the servant of servants. And in him, he would display his splendor. Well, certainly Jesus was displaying his splendor when you think about all the miracles that he did. That was certainly splendid. But you know what? I believe that the splendor that he's talking about here is not so much in the great things that he did in the sense of miracles and all, but what our God would do. Our great God in heaven, what? Would come to this earth. As Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That Jesus, God, would become and take on human flesh and take our place so that he could die, become obedient unto death, even death of the cross, to save us. His humility. That's splendor, isn't it? Whom? Everyone. More is said about Jesus. Now he was called the light to the Gentiles. We're included in the story. We're included. Just to finish here. There was a time after worship service years ago that there was a lady who came up to me and she said this. She says, Pastor, she says, when I listen to a sermon, I, uh, I really tune in at the end because that's where you tell me what I'm supposed to do. Now, I hope she doesn't speaking about what she has to do to, to, to receive eternal life. But there is something to this about what? In thankfulness, there are things that we want to do and live for him. And I'm going to tell you what you can do today. Review these words. Think about what Jesus has done. Aren't these things awesome? Aren't these things that our God did incredible? And they were done for you, for me, for the world. That's how much he loves us. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.